Well, hello there. Welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. I am Chris and I am joined today by Dan. Hello, Dan. How are you doing? Hello, Chris. I am doing great. Thank you. How are you doing? I am doing just dandy. Today, it is just the two of us. So we are going to have a bit of light news discussion and a discussion of some topics of films that we have, or well, series or films, delete as appropriate what we have been watching in the water cooler section, as we like to call it. Um, we will definitely be talking about topics. Yes. And not the chocolate bars. And sorry, that was like an accidental bloody partridge. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be talking topics and water cooler. So we'll be talking about what we've been watching on mostly Netflix, right? Mostly Netflix, yeah. Um, which is interesting because our new section is also going to be delving into what's been going up, going on at Netflix. Segway, um, which is that basically Netflix have gone mental. Uh, <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> They've taken animation seriously. They've lost their minds. Well, they just there was just like there was a day, there was a week. Like I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Every day. There was like Netflix have announced this animation project, and then there was another one, and then another one, and another one, and I was like, I was trying to keep on top of it, and like, so I ended up doing like a, like a, a roundup post, and then and then there was like four more, then there was like a conference in Asia, and they announced another three or four, and then there was like another one after that, and it's like, what? I'm trying to keep up, so <laughs> just gonna try and uh, go through it. Um, bit by bit and see what's going on um there's been a suggestion that netflix are actually launching their own in-house animation studio uh as probably a bit of a cost-saving measure so they don't have to send off all their projects to be um outsourced um which is what they've been doing up until now um and supposedly the projects from alex hirsch and shion takaguchi that have been uh announced well have been underway um are happening at this new studio they've not actually said what those projects are no we don't know if they are series or films or a combination of the two although i think the suggestion was that the alex hershey stuff is going to be adult aimed rather than family stuff like the the point is in terms of war they've planted a lot of flags yes um they have also renewed a bunch of their series and they have renewed Castlevania for season three, Project Horseman for season six. Disenchantment is back for another two seasons. Um, and they've already ordered an extra 10 episodes next year. So it's going to be uh, 10 episodes next year, 10 episodes the year after and 10 episodes in 2021 as well. Um, they have renewed Paradise PD. Uh, they have renewed Big Mouth, like just today. Um, so a lot of their series are obviously doing all right. Um, I can't remember if any animated series have been cancelled recently because uh, Netflix have been cancelling stuff a bit more recently. Mm. But I can't think of any that... Can you? Is there any animated series that aren't coming back that you know of? <laughs> uh, I'm the worst person to ask. No, I can't think of any, though really. I think animation does quite well for them. 
Yeah, well, you'd think, considering all this news <laughs> that we're about to go through. Yeah. Um, so they have announced probably the big, the big one that uh, was getting the most attention first is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is a stop motion um, film that he was he was developing for ages, um, mm-hmm. and then it got. I, like most things he does, it didn't happen. <laughs> you know how he develops about a hundred projects, and about four of them ever get made. Um, it probably helps the winning the Oscar last year probably helped him out. And also, he's worked with Netflix before with the um, the DreamWorks series with um, Troll Hunters and uh, the Tales of Arcadia stuff. So yeah. This is a retelling of Pinocchio set in 1930s Italy under fascist rule. Uh, it's supposed to be quite dark. Also, it's a musical. Um, it is being co-directed with Mark Gustafson, who is the animation director on Fantastic Mr. Fox, or was the animation director on Fantastic Mr. Fox. The screenplay is being co-written with Over the Garden Walls, Patrick McHale. Jim Henson Company are involved as our shadow machine for the studio behind Bojack Horseman, among other things. And the puppets are made by the excellent UK-based studio McKinnon and Saunders. So there is a lot of reasons to be excited about this. It's crazy. Yeah, like, this is the thing with... Like, uh, TV shows are pretty much part of the course with Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it's still great to see that they're making lots of TV shows, but the movies is sort of the unknown element, like, particularly with uh animation but like you know like this year we're starting to see them releasing stuff in cinemas a little bit more and sort of trying to establish themselves as a more serious movie studio yeah i know like some of the big um movies that are coming out this year like outlaw king and um Mm -hmm. uh what's the the roma roma the buster scruggs yeah i noticed that I could actually, they were playing in my city in the art house mm-hmm. cinema. So mm-hmm. it's like, they, you know, it's not just big cities or whatever. I got to say, with Outlaw King, I didn't even know that it was a Netflix movie. Oh, wow. I yeah. just heard people talking about that as if it was a, you know, a cinema release. So we hope that maybe some of the animated stuff might get a cinema release as well. I doubt that they'd be able to. Have a new Guillermo del Toro film without it having a cinema release, especially as they probably want an Oscar, don't they? They want an Oscar. <laughs> uh, I can't blame them, really. The thing that I'm thinking about with all of this is like how it's such a. I mean, the main thing is it's a power play. Mm-hmm. Every other animation studio, which is basically uh, like an in-house show you know yeah. like dreamworks you're always going to be making a dreamworks movie at dreamworks yeah and there are going to be certain uh stylistic and audience things you're going to have to sort of uh contend with with netflix it can if they can make you know the stuff which is maybe creatively and in terms of uh doing what audiences are used to like in Disenchantment and Bojack Horseman, like I think audiences are pretty much 
for, you know, that's not challenging them too much. But if they can actually release like a Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio set in fascist Italy, then they're onto something. And if they can do that alongside, you know, a, a uh, um, Glenn Keane film as well, they're going to be exercising a greater range than any American animation studio has ever managed. And they're, they're going to be releasing bubbles as well, aren't they? The, um, yeah, the, yeah. The, is, is that still being done by Taika Waititi? I think so, yeah. Okay, that would be really interesting to see Take- because I, um, I, I'm not going to spend too much time explaining this, but I was listening to a great interview with him where he was talking about his process. And he's like, he's, I think for Ragnarok, he said that he did, for for, uh, for Thor Ragnarok, what he did was he actually like, he wrote a script kind of just to please executives. And then he went to set each day, sort of hoping that he wouldn't have to film the script (laughs) to improvise something better. And it'll be interesting to see how he deals with uh, the way animation works, and you can't <laughs> change things last minute and all of that. But yeah, exactly. It's um, yeah. If they can do that and pull it off, and for each one to be successful, then um, yeah, then they'll have embarrassed a lot of <laughs> a lot of other animation studios in America, definitely. Uh, Chris Williams, co-director of Big Hero 6, is making his solo directorial debut with a new family feature called Jacob and the Sea Beast. Uh, it's a film partly inspired by the sea monsters that were drawn on 16th and 17th century nautical maps and centres on a charming seafarer who sails into enchanted waters and discovers an unlikely ally in a sea monster. So kind of like how to train your sea monster, I guess. Is what we're talking about. That's a bit reductive, Chris. <laughs> so, but Chris Williams, he co-directed Big Hero Six. Yes, and, and I think he was on. There were uh, might have been like a, a story artist or something on Moana as well. Lots of lots of um, yeah films he's been involved with. So, but like these are pretty high-profile. Yeah, you know, serious animators that they're um, that they're hoovering up. And do you know who else is a serious high-profile animator? That's uh, Nora Toomey from Island's Cartoon Saloon, who will mm-hmm. be directing a film for Netflix as well, uh, My Father's Dragon. Which is but that's based. also, that's like, uh, see, this is the thing with Netflix, is they're going to be able to do this. That's a co-production with uh, Cartoon Saloon, isn't it? Yes. Um, which, this, this was first reported on a couple of years ago, as a potential reteaming of Nora Toomey and and Tom Moore's directorial double act after mm-hmm. um, Secret of Kells, um, but uh, Tom Moore is currently hard at work on Wolfwalkers for Apple, so apparently, <laughs> which is uh, we still don't know how that's going to work, but it is happening. <laughs> uh, so they are also making a film for Netflix. Um, it's based on an American children's novel. I think I think it's like forties children not children's novel. Um obviously it's got dragons in it. Um and the story the screenplay comes from Meg Lafave, who is a screenwriter of Inside Out. Uh oh great. 
she was wasn't she supposed to be directing Gigantic until they cancelled it? I really can't remember. I can't remember. But she's a great, interesting yeah. screenwriter, definitely. Yeah, Tom Moore will be producing, as will Paul Young from uh, Cartoon Saloon. Um, the main character is called Elmer Elevator, which is kind of fun. Uh, I wondered if they might change it for the British British audience, like Larry Lift. But <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, might screw up the lip sync. Yeah, probably would. Um, uh, there's going to be a new limited series from Jorge Gutierrez, director of The Book of Life, called Maya and the Free, or Maya and the Free, um, which is set in a mythical Mesoamerican-inspired world, and it's going to be feature a um, an awesome female hero who is um, a warrior princess. And it's also cool. described as kind of like a Mexican Lord of the Rings. And this is being produced as like a nine episode limited series, which is which is a really good idea, I think. Um like to see more stuff like that, because you can if you're not like trying to make a series that has to run and run and run, I think it's always an interesting thing to do. <laughs> um and I think Netflix are moving away from like everything has to be thirteen episodes or whatever. Um like like with um, Castlevania, the first series was like four episodes, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's just the sign of more confidence, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we can make something that has a, a you know a, a build a legacy rather than yeah. just uh, bombard people with quantity. Yeah, but it, this has pretty cool. This uh, my end of three. They've also commissioned a new series from Craig McCracken, the creator of the Powerpuff Girls, and uh, what else did he do? Wander Over Yonder, Yonder. Home for Imaginary Friends. And this new series is called Kid Cosmic. Uh, It stars a young boy who discovers some cosmic stones which transfer him into a superhero. Um, Supposedly, the twist is that he's not very good at being a superhero, because it's harder than he thinks. Um, Unless he's like a a a family you know kids animation rather than the adult one um which isn't a surprise because it's craig mccracken and as far as i know he hasn't done any adult stuff um there's going to be a new series called go go Corey carlson uh based on a series of toys uh trash truck from max keen who is the son of glenn keen um and uh, then there's also a bunch of stuff that they announced in a um, a presentation ahead in Asia, because it was all Asian-influenced or Asian-set. Um, they called a lot of it anime. Some of it was anime, some of it isn't. But um, one of them is Pacific Rim, the animated series. This is another thing that was talked about a few years ago and then just disappeared and then has resurfaced at Netflix. Um, and we don't really know much about it. Obviously, it's based on Pacific Rim, um, and it is the plot follows two siblings, an idealistic, uh, an idealistic teenage boy and his naive younger sister, who are forced to pilot an abandoned Jaeger across a hostile landscape 
in a desperate attempt to find their missing parents. And it's uh, supposed to be like a younger skewed thing. Um, Sounds great. Previously, they were talking about they were looking for Japanese partners to make it. I don't know if that's mm. still the case. It would make sense because Pacific Rim is so anime influenced. Um, I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't. It would be... I think the key thing with Pacific Rim is it's anime influenced. Yeah. And it's like, you know, My Hero Academia does fine being Western influenced. Mm-hmm. I, I, to some extent, I guess. But yeah, like Pacific Rim makes sense as a TV show. Yeah. It would it would be um quite cool like even if it was made like Studio Mir or someone like that. Some you know, like a a non Japanese studio that was heavily anime anime influenced as well. I what's I don't know who Studio Mir are. Studio Mir are the people behind uh the anim- they animated Voltron the Okay, one, yeah. And they uh, did Avatar and Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. I think they're South Korea based. Um, this is going to be under showrunners Craig Kyle, who was a writer on Four Ragnarok, and Greg Johnson, who was a head writer on the old a- animated series X Men Evolution. So they kind of know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they are doing an anime feature based on the Netflix original sci fi series Altered Carbon. And this is um, being written by Dai Saito, who is quite a big deal in the Japanese anime industry who was a script writer on Cowboy Bebop and Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Oh, Standalone Complex. Okay. That's, yep. uh, that's piqued my interest. And uh, Shukasa Kondo, Kondo is also co-writing and it's being animated by the French studio Anima. So you're getting a lot of these sort of hybrid shows that are part, like international animation. Um, mm-hmm. But they'll they'll still probably call them anime because they think that it's it's a it's a um advertising yes yeah, marketing. marketing thing yeah it's like when they call Castlevania anime it's like well it's produced in Texas <laughs> this yeah doesn't really look like anime and it's based on a Japanese game I suppose but <laughs> yeah I feel like it's hmm. what's this what am I, what do I want to say here. Um, I don't think this is like a uh, an issue at all or uh, a crisis by any stretch. I do think it's a shame that uh, live action shows can uh, have their own identity based mm-hmm. on where they're shot and where they're made. And like Castlevania, knowing that it was from Texas, it was made in Texas, sort of made it feel... I don't know. For some reason, I just sort of ingested it as a bit more of a Western. Yeah. Interesting. Um, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think it's good for uh, international productions to uh, not have like completely gentrified identities mm-hmm. that are irrelevant to where they're made. That's why things like anime are popular. It's why... Um, Cartoon Saloon is popular. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure, at least. Like, I think it's important to, yeah, maintain uh, the identity of where things are made. There's a new series coming from Japanese studio Gonzo, who uh, produced Helsing 
And Should we have an interval for all of this? <laughs> all of this, uh, this Netflix news. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, I didn't. Just had to go I told you there's a lot there. of it. I had to go for the classic because <laughs> nothing else could top it. It's, they've, they, they, they're working on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this new uh, series from Godzo. Um, there is a another series coming from uh, LeSean Thomas, uh, who is also currently or has been working on Cannon Busters for Netflix. Um, this series is called Yasuke, and it is a series set in wartime and feudal Japan of mechs and magic. And it is um, also it's based on a real historical figure who was a samurai of African origin. Cool. And it's being the animation is being produced by Mappa, who are the studio behind Yuri on Ice, among other things. You're doing all right. You're making it through. It's good. <laughs> yeah, We're right. nearly done with the, with the Netflix. Um, yeah, the other big announcement is um, that um, there is going to be a new film from one of our favourite animation filmmakers on this podcast, who is Mark Osborne, director of the first Kung Fu Panda and also The Little Prince, which was a Netflix release. And this film is called Lost it's Hat. It's got a great title. It's called Escape film. from Hat. Escape from Hat. That's a great name. It's, it's, it's a really good title. I really like it. It's it's a it's a magical thing with um with a rabbit escaping from a hat or something. It's it's a it's a world where there are bunnies and black cats. I think. Is that right? Uh, I've lost the page. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> I uh, yeah, it's about um, a rabbit cast into a mysterious realm of danger. Yeah, black cats are bad. Cool. Black cats are bad. Magic rabbits are good. And then one rabbit is cast into a realm of danger and shadow as part of a magic trick gone wrong. So That's I think it. basically, rabbit goes into a hat and it gets lost in a realm inside the hat that sounds super cute and fun <laughs> it sounds lovely yeah and uh last time well of course uh, uh little prince wasn't made for netflix it was a um independent production that was just released by netflix or distributed by netflix um after having already been released theatrically in france and i think canada mm-hmm and then, was it Paramount? Someone like that. They just pulled out the last. It was Paramount, yeah. yeah. And I just from a from a like real top down business point of view, this just looks like another sort of slightly embarrassing, you know, Netflix embarrassing Paramount. Like saying, "Well, yeah, hey, remember that film that we bought from you? Well, yeah. it did really, really well for us, and we're making, you know, we're giving that dude another another one." And now I think Paramount are making a bunch of films for Netflix, ironically. <laughs> I, I think it's just the way things are going. I think uh, all those studios... The be- you know, the benefit with Netflix is that it's a young uh, tech company. Uh-huh. And they have... Um, do you remember like a few years ago, uh, their like, customer service PDF leaked? 
No, I don't remember hearing about that. It was there was this there was this time that like I I read like a really long like fifty I didn't read the whole thing but it was like a fifty page like customer service thing for Netflix and there was another one actually that came up from uh, from Valve the games company mm-hmm. and then it, it just sort of outlined like a very uh, interesting like innovative attitude towards like customer experience really. I mean, innovative, innovative in the fact that it was all about the customer, really. And it's just because I think Netflix has its roots in those sorts of companies, like a young internet company. Uh, they're a lot more flexible when it comes to actually exercising uh, uh, risk-taking mm-hmm. rather than Paramount, which has been a film studio for 100 years. You know, it's uh, it's it's kind of no surprise, really, when you look at it in those terms, that a hundred-year-old company is behind the times. <laughs> yeah, they um they seem to be doing a lot of giving a lot of people like the chance to make like their dream project as well, which is probably makes it quite tempting. Like, come here, I will get, throw you lots of money, and you can make the film you always wanted to make. But uh, the, the yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the thing that's weird about it is that you've, on the other hand, heard plenty of horror stories from Netflix. Yeah. From filmmakers, live-action filmmakers, saying, oh, I'll never, ever, ever work for them again. Um, I think Noah Baumbach said that um, about his film. uh, Oh, my goodness. The the Meyerowitz stories. Mm -hmm. uh, Which I thought was very good, actually. And it was critically re-received and everything. Uh, so yeah, it's unclear, like you know, which faction of Netflix everyone seems to be working with, because it seems that there seem to be at least five different Netflixes, <laughs> at least in terms of creating stuff. Um, yeah, that exists. So, but the thing, I mean, I think the thing that even in like their TV work at the moment, in live action TV, I mean is that they value creators a lot. Mm -hmm. And they recognize, I feel, that people invest in creators, which is a win-win because it's investing in people. You know, if you you invest in an idea that someone has, then you've only invested in that. But if you invest in the person, you've invested in the well of ideas. You know, I I feel like they kind of did that with like, um, you know, the David Fincher series, like House of Cards started out as being David Fincher's House of Cards. And then he did the same thing with Manhunter. Um, and they they seem to like be recognizing that if they hoover up creators, they they can bank off names rather mm-hmm. than like hits. I mean, obviously they have hits and they they kind of run them into ground into the ground a little bit, but. Yeah, it's interesting times, and we shall see what comes out of all these many projects. Um, obviously, some of them might, I guess, won't necessarily come to pass, but there's some very exciting things I coming down even, the pipe. I didn't even, uh, uh, yeah, consider that. Well, I did see, I think it was today, I, I saw someone was pointing on like a report saying the... Um, 
or the the debt that Netflix is in, like it's trillions of dollars of debt or something. They're like, if Netflix dies, what's going to happen to all these animation projects? Like, let's not hope. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, I'm I'm sure they know what they're doing. There must be, you know, it must be built into their plan or whatever. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, you'd hope so. I mean, I. I don't know a single person who doesn't at least borrow Netflix off yeah. their brother or their friend. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like everyone subscribes to it as far as I know. Well, the fact that they're like doing their own David Attenborough documentaries now that aren't, aren't made for the BBC that, you know, it's like they're doing everything. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Um, shall we move on from Netflix and, uh, talk about some animation awards because the Emil awards were held for the last first time last year which is the european animation awards um which were designed to be kind of like a european equivalent of the annies but obviously european focused and they have announced the nominations for the upcoming second uh iteration of the awards and that will be taking place in december on December 8th in Lille in France and they've um, you can find the full list of it on animationadults.com um, but we'll just run through a few of the highlights um, the uh, most nominated film in the feature category is Another Day of Life have you heard of that? Uh, no I did actually look at the uh, Emile's website uh, this week and I didn't really recognize a whole bunch actually which is great because it means that you know things that aren't recognized are getting a high profile but no I'm not familiar with that I think it's Polish actually or yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Belgium, Poland Spain Germany I know that it's screen I think it's screened at animationist film in the US recently but um I haven't heard much more about it but it's got five nominations which is very cool um the breadwinner has got four nominations uh funan uh have you heard of that one yet it's um set in i think in like in the uh, cambodia. cambodia under Khmer rouge regime mm-hmm. um our our um social media manager denary when she went to um animationist film she watched that and recommends that film very much um captain morton and the spider queen which is a very fun looking stop motion animation that is a co-production between where is it estonia belgium Ireland, and the uk yes um that's got that has also got um four nominations no two nominations and early man has got two nominations as well and in tv uh nominees include the highway rat which was one of the uh last last year's bbc like holiday special um direct it's got to be adapted from a julia donaldson thing i think (laughs) that's the tradition at the moment Um, Yeah, yeah angela's christmas which is a irish tv special that i think is going to be on netflix very soon um made by brown bag yeah good old brown bag um claude is something else that's been nominated uh which Claude's is a, great. yeah, yeah. A TV show. i think that's on 
shows on Disney Channel, I think, or is it Disney Junior, something like that? Um, I think it's on, uh, yeah, I think it is on Disney Junior, yeah. And Hey Dougie! Hey Dougie's got a nomination. <laughs> Brilliant. We love Hey Dougie. Um, yeah, so lots of great films and shorts and series getting nominations. Um, you can find the full list in the show notes. Okay, so uh, moving on from that, a number of interesting trailers have been re- released recently, including the very first teasers for next year's Toy Story 4. So, Dan, have you, so seen, have you seen the Toy Story 4 teasers? I have seen, yeah, both of the teasers. Yeah, because they sort of, they released one and it was very much your standard here is a real teasy teaser with very little new, uh, but like a nice little joke. Yeah. And then they had another one, which was like, I honestly didn't know what I was watching. It's so, it was like one of the most like weird, semi-meta, loose trailers they've ever done. They called it a reaction. They called it the reaction <clears throat> video to the teaser. Which right, is- yeah, because it was two characters discussing. Yeah. The fact, the, the trailer that had come out two days previously. Yeah, which I think is a really fun idea. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a fun idea. Yeah, no, I saw them. Um, looks good. I like, I think that uh, Forky, <laughs> um, the new character, is one of the bravest character designs I've ever seen in like a huge, you know, what is uh, essentially going to be the biggest animated film of next year. Um, or possibly ever. Plus, yeah, I mean, it's likely that it's going to make them at least a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it, Yeah, the whole... But it just... It opens up... All, you know, people have all these questions like about cars. Like, how does, okay, it, how does yes. the world of cars work? The mythology. Yeah. yeah. Kind of the existence of Forky, who is not a toy, a traditional toy... Mm-hmm. But he is alive, like the toys, because he is a homemade toy. Mm-hmm. He is a fork, mm-hmm. and he's he's having an exi- exist existential crisis. And it's like this. This opens up all, all questions about the Toy Story universe. Um. Yeah, it does, and it doesn't. I think I know what you're saying. It does because I, I've heard jokes about that before. Like. In Toy Story, like, hey, why doesn't the doorknob, mm. you know, squeal or whatever, some, you know, something like that? But I feel like um, the thing is, it's Toy Story Four, yeah, made by <laughs> Pixar, yeah. Every idea that the public have discussed, they have discussed ten times over mm-hmm. themselves. There have probably been at least 10 treatments of this film already. So I'm confident that the one that they've picked is worth going with. Yeah. Um, and not just worth going with, like, it's, um, they're going to know how to handle it. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to just do it from the from the point of view of Forky as an existential crisis. And they're probably not going to, they're probably going to have a couple of jokes about, you know, hey, is the toilet brush equally yeah. sentient or not? Uh, yeah, it, and I just think it will be interesting to see what they do. Really, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm for it. 
And then the second, the second one was Ducky and Bunny, who are prizes at a, a fun fair, voiced by Keenan and Peel. Keenan Peel. Ke- yeah, Keenan. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Key is Key and Peel. Key and Peel. Yeah. Key and Peel. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that, I mean, that seems like a very good marketing decision to get those two. Uh, so that sounded really cynical, but I, I, I didn't mean it like that because I yeah. like them a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're sort of like discussing. It's it's just weird. They're just sort of obviously just going off on one, and then Buzz Lightyear and Woody appear, and they're sort of starstruck. Yeah, it it makes you think that it was you. If it wasn't improvised, it just seems so much like it's improvised, and it's genius writing. If it's not, if you right, yeah, yeah, because it just feels like they're riffing, and then they've just animated to it, Um, which yeah. So we know we're going to have new characters in Toy Story 4. We know we're going to have old characters in Toy Story 4. And we know that animation is going to look better than ever. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all we know at this point. Very bold design choice of Forky. <laughs> you know, someone with a, with a, you know, I presume at least decades long career in character design. <laughs> Designed that for a, for an animated feature. Yeah, but that kind of does seem like a thing that a small child would make, though, which is what makes it so great. Yeah, it's honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, no, it looks good, because actually, so as much as Toy Story 3 was like the last chapter of a certain trilogy, mm-hmm. I did like how Bonnie... I mean, Bonnie very clearly set them up for new stories, and I think Bonnie was the was the uh, in uh, Toy Story of Terror, right? And the, yeah, in the shorts, yeah. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I do hope that they're still with Bonnie. Yeah, because I actually got very invested in her, and she's delightful. Uh. And it sort of, yeah, I felt like, and also the fact that they had those TV specials sort of just made it feel like, okay, well, we can tell any story with these characters. They're like sitcom characters now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm up for it. Why not? And another trailer for something that came out, that's coming out next year, is the new film from Leica, Missing Link, which we've got the first. Again, we've got two trailers for. Oh, I only saw one. I didn't know that there were two. Which one did you see? Did you see the short? Was it just... I um, saw the one that felt like a trailer. Because they basically, the same day, they released uh, one in the UK and one in the US. I saw the one that was an IGN. That's, so that was the longer one. This longer one, yeah. I I guess that would be that would be the American one. Um, yeah, yeah. the The British one is much shorter, um, and it is just mainly a meet the meeting between um, L- Mr. Link 
and um, the hunter guy who is yeah. called Frost. Oh, that's a good uh, name. Yes. Um, the uh, American trailer actually shows you more of the film beyond that. It shows you the, like, this is, there's, yeah, it's, there's a bit before that bit, and then there's a bit after it. Whereas on the, in the British trailer, it is pretty much a short, very short intro, then they're meeting, and then a gag on a train, <laughs> basically. Um, but the American trailer shows you when they go to Shangri-La and stuff, and it shows you the uh, the other main character. Um, so to rewind a bit, uh, this is the new series, the new film from Leica, uh, the stop motion studio from Portland, and it is about a um, a adventurer called Sir Lionel Frost, voiced by Hugh Jackman, uh, who is trying to track down the legendary missing link. Uh, he's he's basically someone who spends all his time uh, investigating uh, myths and stuff, but he hasn't been very successful, so he thinks this is like his last ditch effort to to um, be famous and successful and stuff. And uh, he goes off to meet the missing link. And he meets it, surprisingly, and um, he finds that it's not quite what he expected. Um, and it is, he meets it in the form of Mr. Link, who is voiced by Zach Galifianakis, who is a slightly silly, surprisingly smart and soulful beast, according to the uh, synopsis. I don't think he's surprisingly smart. I, that's not what the trailer was paying, painting the character to be. So what it says in the synopsis... Perhaps they just expected him to just to be like, um, you know, a dumb animal going, rah. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, because he converses with them. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't mean, you know, he's he's a, a men, men, uh, Mensa member or anything. It just means he can hold a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, I am intelligent. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it looks good. I, it, I mean, like, the main character is basically Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. But furrier. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So if you like him, I think that's. that's and uh, and uh, so Lionel Frost, voiced by Hugh Jackman, doing a, a, um, a British accent for some reason. We've, we've discussed this sort of thing before. No, like, no. why do you voice, why do you get a famous person to do a voice and then do a different accent? It's kind of weird. It is a bit weird. However, in this case, I'm more okay with it because pretty much just because of uh, the prestige. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he has done. Where he kind of just proved, uh, yeah, I can do that. That's that's in my belt. And it's, I know, I have less of a problem with it for some reason. When you first said that, I'm thinking the prestige. You know, just say, oh, yeah, the prestige of the film. Uh, oh, no, wait, no, <laughs> so you did the, you did the film, yeah. the prestige. Yeah, the, uh, the Nolan. The Christopher Nolan film, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is also going to feature a feisty female lead called Adelina Fortnite, who I guess people are going to say, why did they name it after that video game? When they clearly didn't. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I always forget that Fortnite is like not, not a thing in America. In America. They always like mention it on Comedy Bang Bang. Like it's a really clever, like, pull. They're like, oh, no, I'll see you in a Fortnite. <laughs> And it's just like that actually just sounds pretty normal. Yeah, we British it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh 
And Adelina Fortnite is voiced by Zoe Saldana. Um, and the trailer suggests that she is somebody from Shangri-La. In... Oh, she's in one of the biggest animated films of all time. Ava- you mean Ava- the biggest Ava- animated film of all time? The Sorry? What? The biggest animated film of all time. Yeah. Seeing as it's the most successful film of all time. Avatar. So therefore it is more successful than all the other animated films. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, Missing Link is going to be out next year on April the 12th in the US via Anna Perna Pictures. And it is getting released in the UK a bit earlier on April 5th. Um, probably Lionsgate. by Lionsgate UK. I guess... That's probably around the Easter holidays, and that'll be why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like it looks like a good Easter movie, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can't I wait Box for a new Leica film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say I think Box Trolls came out around that time, but no, it didn't. They are usually late August, September releases. Yeah, that's their usual time, isn't it? Like yeah. uh, that's when um, I think. I think uh, Cooper came out at the end of the summer holidays. Yeah, it was like late August in the US and September in the UK. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's been a long time since like released a film. That's I'm ready. I'm well well past ready. Um, and there is one other trailer we just have to discuss. It's not entirely animated, but it's, we have. I think it looks like it's mostly animated. Uh, I mean, a large proportion of it. Mm-hmm. More than Paddington. It it's a little movie by the name of Detective Pikachu. Yeah, yeah. which is a movie that is really coming out. I find <laughs> it hard to believe. I even having seen the trailer, I was like, "This is real." I can't believe this is real. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. So this is. It's weird. I mean, it's it's weird for me because it's like as much as. The burden of our times is that the actual like legends and mythology of our youth are these giant, giant marketed, uh, you know, franchises mm-hmm. like Pokemon, Harry Potter, and stuff like that. Like I saw, I saw the new Harry Potter movie last yesterday. Um, not Harry Potter, you know, Fantastic yeah. Beasts. And it was like, it wasn't my favorite film by a long stretch, but just being in that world like felt like special. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's going to take a lot for them to not make that feel special. And I think the same thing is of Pokemon, where it's like, and of course, like, they avoided making a Pokemon movie for years because they wanted to do it right, it seemed. Do you know what I mean? But like it, a live action movie. It's just the weirdest thing that that they're doing it and it's based on that Detective Pikachu game. It just seems the strangest I think way, I way think to get a Pokemon movie out of it. I think it's a protective thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like you know, like in Roger Rabbit when uh it was a big deal that they got all of these it was as much a a, a, um, a victory for the lawyers as it was the animators mm-hmm. for getting everything in the same room and like Wreck-It Ralph as well Yeah, and I think it's just a case of like look we're never going to get Ash and yeah. Rock and Misty people dressed up as them like doing the Pokemon thing 
the only way we're going to get a Pokemon movie is like this sort of tangential story with a pe- with a Pikachu, mm-hmm. not Ash's Pikachu. I think it's smart because it still kind of preserves, you know, like Pikachu is. I'm, I'm very much. I I, th- I definitely consider Pikachu as iconic as Mickey Mouse or Mario. Probably more so than Mario, maybe. It's um, it's kind of a weird thing to think of, like, hey, this is a movie starring another mouse. <laughs> like, like we're not going to do a Mickey Mouse movie. Uh, this is this Boris Mouse. He looks exactly exactly like Mickey, but it's, it's oh the, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I see what sorry I see what you were saying that yes it's, well, it just is the same species, <laughs> but it's not the one you know. It's just a, this is a different Pikachu. I think that's very smart because I definitely okay. So how was your what was your reaction to the trailer? <laughs> I think I kind of love it. <laughs> so it came out while I was at work. And like I said, I said to you before we started, like when it came out, like I thought that there was something wrong in the city. I thought a bad thing was going down. (laughs) People started standing up and like looking at each other's computers and sort of saying, "Oh my god, what?" It's like the start of a disaster movie. Yeah, yeah. And then I realized, oh, there's a trailer for the Pokemon (laughs) uh, movie. Yeah, so you you didn't like it? Or no, you... I think I kind of... I, I like it. I think I've... <laughs> I'm kind of surprised, but I enjoyed it. Uh... Yeah, that was the thing. It was a surprise. It was a real surprise. I think the trouble is, is that... So when, the, when Detective Pikachu, the game came out, Ooh. there was a trailer. And the trailer used that very classic um, rendering of Pikachu. Yeah. Where it was like, we're not going to even pretend that this is photorealistic. It's Roger Rabbit. Yeah. In our world. And I expected this film to be that. Mm-hmm. Using those, because Pokemon, like, I'm trying not to like make this a big deal, but it is. It was a big deal for me because it overlapped with me first wanting to draw. Mm-hmm. And then Pokemon cards came out. And I remember the Pokemon cards like had the illustrators' names on them. So I started learning all these illustrators' names. And Ken Sugimori, the guy who designed a lot of the first generation Pokemon and second generation. He's like a he's like a hero of mine. And um his designs are really iconic for me and for many others, I think, as well. To the point where I couldn't I literally couldn't imagine a Pokemon movie myself not being uh, Roger Rabbit, basically, mm-hmm. where there's no pretense that these things are occupying even the same space as the live action elements. And when it came out, I was just like, I said, to, I said to my friend, I was like, I'm getting, I'm getting Flintstones vibes. <laughs> Like, this feels like Dino, you know, in the John Goodman movie. <laughs> sort of a cartoon rendered slightly more realistically than it should be. And I wanted it to be Roger Rabbit. <laughs> and then, like, maybe a few hours later, I got used to it and tried to look at it on its own terms. But, 
yeah, it's it's going to be different, and I think that's a smart thing because it's preserved their more iconic, you know, uh, the the more iconic parts of Pokemon, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I got used to it eventually. Like I had a real problem with like Pikachu's eyes and the fur wasn't right, and he was making expressions that weren't Pikachu-ish, and then I was like. Oh no, this is Detective Pikachu. So I don't know. And you got you gotta say, the the uh, deer stalker is pretty damn cute. Just just the fact that he's got a deer stalker up because he's a detective. He's a de- I, yeah, I think so um yeah, at the start of the trailer he says, um, I will shock you, right? To the yeah. kid who is the sort of the protagonist, like in the buddy cop comedy that they've made. Yeah. Um, Which and Pikachu's like, yeah, I will shock you. And me and uh, my housemate were talking about it and we were like, okay, so he doesn't shock him here. here. So is the fact that he's actually not a Pikachu? Like he's not, he's a Pikachu that can't perform. Hey. So he becomes a detective. Is that the thing? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks it looks pretty fun. And once I let go, I'm I'm now actually quite in for it because it's like, hey, if it's bad, it's bad. But if it's good, like, you know, then there's a bonus. I I have to say I don't necessarily mean this is a negative, but it, I did did make me think of the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Oh, because it's a kind of like noirish, sort of tinged. Yeah, and it's yeah. the fact that it's you know, it's got this more realistic vibe to it, even though it's got incredibly dark little creatures in. Um, I have Mr. to say, is creepy. I have to say, for some reason, I don't know why. I wasn't expecting there to be any other Pokemon in it. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I know what you mean. I don't obviously. I I obviously don't know much about the game at all. Um, but for some reason, I was I was expecting, you know, it's just going to be Pikachu, and that was it. So when I saw all the other Pokemon, I was like, <gasps> that was my big shock moment. So like especially when I saw Psyduck, who is one of my favourite Pokemon. Yeah, they they really are. I think. I'm probably going to have to like watch the trailers a lot before I watch them film because I can't, I found like even the short shot of like Bulbasaur and Jigglypuff. Yeah. Kind of distracting. Cause I was like, like, I guess, yeah, I guess realistically Bulbasaur would have to have kind of scaly skin and he would kind of have to mm-hmm. you know, be less. And Jigglypuff would have to be kind of very, um, uh yeah do you know what i'm saying like yeah sort of i'm trying to i'm trying to think of it the only example i can think of is flintstones where it's like yeah i know iconographically that's dino but it's also not Mm -hmm. so uh yeah it looks it looks it looks fun at least it looks like they've allowed them to be kind of bold with it it's just so bizarre it was like still doesn't feel real but 
I'm I'm kind of on board anyway, just because it's crazy. And uh, but Mr. Yeah. Mime is creepy, creepy. Yeah. His weird kind of like peach fuzz yeah. on on the top of his head is very disturbing. Something about that I can't handle. I mean, I would have been more on board if they if they had actually got Danny DeVito to do the voice, but hey. He wasn't on board. No. He wasn't on board. I, I, I see now I'm looking at a picture of Mr. Mime, like the actual uh as he appears in the anime and stuff. There's a lot to be said for how beautiful a simple design can be. <laughs> um uh yeah, like yeah, it's it's it, it's 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 personally not immediately appealing for, for me for my tastes, but I think that's the only thing that really I'm not sure about with the film, like mm-hmm. the story and you know the big long shadows and everything, making it really feel like a detective film. Uh, I'm in for, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just know what to say. It's a it's a bloody Pokemon film. It's like you said, it's it's just weird to remind yourself that it's actually happening. After well, sort of when I was like, you know, like ten and really wanted a Pokemon movie, <laughs> sort of accepting it is never ever going to happen. Well, so, one thing I would say is, do you remember when the first trailer came out for Paddington and everyone went, "That looks so creepy." Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... That's a good. That's a very good point. I was thinking about that this week actually, uh, for for a few reasons. And, and you will occasionally still find somebody like, oh, I, w- I won't watch Paddington because it's creepy. And it's like, no, it's not. You've only seen that weird teaser that came out years ago. If you watch it, there's nothing creepy about Paddington at all. He is pure as the driven snow, and he is our savior, and he is Paddington. He's not, but okay, there are two different... I, I think, yeah, Paddington's such a good example because you could do Detective Pikachu like Paddington where it is only Pikachu. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's missing an opportunity to have, you know, Pokemon running nightclubs and things and, you know, driving the bus and, you know, just being part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I I don't really know, man. It's I think I think I'm just gonna have to for more than any other film. I just have to wait for it to come out because I can't really judge it based on you know the the look of it, like the tech demos. It's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> well, see, you say that. I think you're right. But it will be interesting, nonetheless. I think, no, genuinely, I think um, it will be interesting to see what kids think of it. Yeah. Because as much as Pokemon is still quite popular, it's like, it's not the most popular thing with kids no. right now. So it's, uh, in a way, it's it's, it's slightly... Um, 
a uh, what's the word retro retro slightly um oh god like a like a uh, like a pitch for relevance mm-hmm. on on their part as well i think a little bit anyway shall, shall we go to the water cooler let's let's go there because i can talk about <laughs> how this makes me feel all night it's it's so weird that it's happening yeah let's go to the water cooler okay so this is the section of the show if you haven't heard before where we talk about some stuff that we've been watching and uh discuss our thoughts on said things <laughs> um and as we alluded to earlier we watched a bunch of things on Netflix, but before we do that, I did it's want the to... only place to watch things. I think is that right? Uh, it no, feels like it. No, 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 it's not. What else I, wa- seen? I watched something on on a shiny disc, like in the old days. Uh, although you can watch it streaming as well. It is an anime series by the interesting title of. In Another World with My Smartphone, which is uh, based on a series of light novels, apparently. Um, and it was then adapted into an anime last year or the year before or so. Um, so there is a teenager and he wakes up and he is on a cloud with a, mat- a fellow with a beard who says, I'm God, by the way, um, and you're dead. This is how the show starts. And okay. this this guy doesn't seem that bothered by that. He's like, oh. good place. He's like, oh, okay, yeah. But it's it's really not a good place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he um, he says, yeah, uh, you're dead. Sorry about that. Um, but it's kind of an error on my part. And uh, by way of apology, I'm going to give you another shot. I'm going to reincarnate you but I can't reincarnate you in your world. I will have to reincarnate you in another world where you don't know anyone. Um, by the way, is there any, do you have any requests? And he pulls his, his phone out of his pocket, which has apparently survived his death. <laughs> um, and he's like, any way I could keep hold of this? And he goes, all right. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> with all the contacts and um, messages and... Well, you see, um, this the world that he is transferred into is like uh, basically a fantasy RPG world. Okay. Um, so they, you know, there's no reception or anything. So the only way he can get it is by magic. Uh, and he's told he can't ring up any of his old people, although he has got God's number in his contacts. Um, and he can still, like, uh, look up things on the internet. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> So he gets reincarnated in this fantasy world with his with his smartphone, uh, but he is like his own age, you know, the age he was when he died or whatever. Um, <laughs> and he just pops up and uh, he can, like, he, through magic or whatever, he speaks the same languages as everyone. But there are some, like, interesting ideas in there occasionally, like the fact that he discovers that he can't read in this new world because there's a new language. So he then has to, like, reteach himself to read and things like that. Okay. Um, but you know the idea of some... anything that sounds much like a story yet. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> basically, he gets to the world and he 
decides to do some adventures and he runs into to a bunch of people and the first people he runs into is a pair of cute twins who are adventurers and he ends up teaming up with them and going on some adventures and then basically gradually he builds up a whole range of uh basically it's like one of these harem things where he runs he basically has a bunch of girls following him around didn't see that coming no (laughs) um yeah, it's 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 weird show. <laughs> um, okay. Like the whole idea of like having modern technology in a fantasy world, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Could be potentially. How does that? I feel like that happens in a big Hollywood film, where it's like, I want to say Black Knight. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that that <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That Martin is it Martin Lawrence film? Yep, it is. Yeah. Um but it kind of doesn't do very much with it. Um you see, right, okay. Part of the problem is that as soon as you make it a magic phone, then it's kind of like um what what's the point of having technology when you've got magic? Like there's a couple of times like, oh he takes a photo of someone or there's one bit where he looks up a recipe on the internet. <laughs> maybe, or, yeah, maybe the absurdity of that is the joke where it's like... Or he uh, uses a map app to find somebody. Right. right. But then most of the time, it just kind of ignores that bit and just... You see, one of the other things is it's got like the most... It's like the most ridiculous sort of self-insert super-powered character because... He goes, oh yeah, the god goes to him. He goes, oh yeah, I've um, enhanced your um, your intelligence, your physical ability, and your uh, your magic powers and everything. So he's like, he's the best at everything. Uh, he's got twelve girlfriends. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like the most ridiculous right. thing, and it's just like, oh, it's so stupid. <laughs> it's. It sounds like it might not have been made for you, Chris. It definitely not, but it's it's. <laughs> I did you know it entertained me with its stupidness quite a bit. Oh, and then at one point he's also like making other technology. Like oh, he just makes a gun at some point <laughs> and a bike. It sounds like a very classic, like literal, like wish fulfillment. Yeah, sort of like you know, like a weird science like lit- level of what if this thing happened to me a teenager yeah and then it's like oh and i've got i'm the best at everything and i'm the best at science and maths and magic and fighting and i've got 12 wives yeah although and that is actually actually something that at the end he does get engaged to all of them which is kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a nightmare, eh? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, okay, you've not sold it to me, Chris, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not really trying to sell it to you, to be honest. I watched it because I got sent it. So we don't have to. Yeah. I wrote a review of it for the site. I gave it two whole stars out of five. Oh, that sounds pretty generous. Yeah, <laughs> it was... It was slightly amusing in a not good way, but you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
So, on to the stuff, what we watched on Netflix. There was, I know you have watched the, uh, you started to watch the brand new series of She-Ra. I did. What did you think? Oh, yes, I did. I have watched what did I two think? episodes. Right, so you've seen like the first like two-parter. Yes. And I've seen the next one on from that. Uh, that I literally actually can't remember the plot of. Because <laughs> I've watched a lot this weekend. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, I So I never saw the original series. Ever. Uh, so I don't have any existing fondness for the characters or the property at all. Uh, which I feel is like a good place to be because I'm looking at it objectively and not being blinded by nostalgia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't aware of any of the mythology. Excuse me. Sorry, this is not at all boring. But <laughs> I'm boring so I, I had to yawn for everyone else there. Um, right, yeah, so uh, Chira and the Princesses of Power. Uh, oh yeah, as it's called, is yeah like a DreamWorks produced uh, Netflix original. Um, kind of like I think the creator credit goes to Noel Stevenson. Uh, Noel Stevenson. Oh no, yeah. Uh, who is best known for I think comics? Is that yes, right? she uh, co-creator she or creator of. Of yeah, Nimona, which is being or is being adapted by Blue Sky. Yeah, uh, and Lumberjanes. Lumberjanes, um, yes. Yeah, so she's like uh, proven herself as basically a solid writer in the world of comics, at least. Um, and her books have definitely like crossed over. You know, there are certain books which cross out of the comic section. Yeah. Into like kids sections and things like proper it seems like that's happened with her stuff um yeah so uh she sort of like i to some extent reinvented the show uh for modern audiences i guess um basically the show is about uh a girl called Dora and she has uh, a friend called Katra, and they sort of are in like this sort of like academy, right? Mm-hmm. This sort of cadet academy where they're sort of learning to to fight and protect and bring order to certain things. And it seems uh, like fine place, but it seems a little bit, uh, you know, like a school. Like you know, it's like a boarding school. It's a little bit um, strict. And then for one reason or another her and her friend go off joyriding one day and they end up like in the woods and they stumble across like a, uh, a like a glowing sword sort of King Arthur style just in the middle of a forest. And one thing leads to another and uh, uh, Adora like uh, picks up the sword and she suddenly transforms into this like alter ego, Hannah Montana style, <laughs> uh, into She-Ra, which is sort of like this ancient warrior with beautiful glowing locks and, you know, a golden armor and a massive sword. And it seems like that's her destiny. And she also runs into um, 
uh, this pair of people from is Moon World. It's not called Moon World, but you know what the place I'm talking about. Like another realm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not okay with all the lingo and stuff. And no, I'm, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm trying my best. Yeah. Yep. Um, she runs into these two and they recognize her as one of the bad guys. And the evil horde. The evil horde. They are known for basically destroying everything that's good in the world, as far as the uh, these two uh, friends um, mm-hmm. see it. And basically, the first like two episode like uh, like pilot, I guess, like setup episode uh, is about Adora coming to terms with the fact that she might well. Uh, be contributing to evil in the world. Are we the baddies? Yeah, it's exactly it's it exactly yeah it's the, <laughs> the Mission uh, and Web Mission and Web sketch. Are we the baddies? Yeah. Um. Or you know, uh, Finn in uh, Force Awakens. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Realizing he's a stormtrooper and wanting to fight the good fight. Um. So I've seen like the first three episodes and yeah, like I said, the first two sort of set up the dynamics of the characters. And then the third one is sort of like the first normal episode, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I warmed to it. At the start, I wasn't massively in. I felt like it felt very uh, dated, actually. It felt like there's nostalgic, and then there's also like, I don't really see why this couldn't have been made in the 80s. Hmm. Uh, but I thought the interesting thing was the characters. I like the characters a lot. The dynamics were interesting, and the story was actually way more interesting than I was expecting. I wasn't expecting anything nearly as complex uh, uh, for the protagonist. Uh, as what happened I think so many adventure shows really really screw up when it comes to what a hero's journey story is Um, and I think this is a good show from what like I've seen three episodes Um, production wise it's probably not my favorite it's very well storyboarded isn't directed Um, I just felt like uh the animation of the design itself, I felt, uh, well, yeah, it's like quite dated, really. And there's lots of like synthy uh, music in the in, you know, in the in the soundtrack. Um, and I thought it could have been, yeah, probably a little bit more boldly designed, but uh, that's not really the point. Anyway, what what did what did you think, Chris, of Shira and the Princesses of Power? I I really liked it actually. I've seen only the first two so far, mm-hmm. but um, I I just I thought like the way it started. I think they the way like you're introduced to her being a member of this evil organization and not knowing it, and like the fact that they refer to the princesses and you like to see this um like the simulation where you, there's like there's like these evil looking characters and they're like, oh, these are the scary princesses or whatever. 
and it's yeah. like the <laughs> and the, the teacher is literally like a floating demon. Yeah, who <laughs> wears like a big flowing black cloak. Yeah, and it's it, I thought that was quite interesting, like having mm-hmm. the and that is actually I will say that I I had the idea of that I was going to watch a couple of episodes of the original as well, which I. I can't really tell you how much I've I'd seen of before. I've probably yeah. saw, I know I know I definitely saw some He-Man when I was little or whatever. Um, but I don't know if I saw a lot of. I definitely have watched the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> but I haven't watched a lot of um, the series before. I don't think. But I've watched the first episode of Well, just like as a comparison point. Um, and by the it was almost entirely a he-man episode uh okay. and you just get introduced to adora like at the end as one of the members of the horde and like by the end of the episode you're like he-man's like hey you're i'm here to save you or whatever and that's pretty much it but well this time as far as i know they're not selling toys no like, this has not been made to sell toys it's been made to sell itself exactly you could, it you really can tell the difference i think and like just in the designs and everything because i i saw someone point out recently like the the like all the characters have got like all the like got the same body type and everything like in the old version because they mm. they have to be able to be made into toys yeah but right with the new one there's like diverse character types and body shapes and everything to make it more representative and stuff whereas in in this one <laughs> the original it wasn't like that um and obviously the the original the original uh, uh you know i couldn't take it because it was so sexy and everything <laughs> the, the, these crazy people who are like oh that they no this new shira is not hot enough and you're like what? oh uh, sorry i i can i i genuinely like entirely forgot about that whole like it was a flash in the pan yeah i forgot about that yes yeah. yeah, what happened was like loads of yeah bros were like, "Oh, she was not even like hot," and it was like those people probably weren't ever watching Shiro in the first place. <laughs> like, if they were the right age to be young when it was on, then they probably would have gone, "Oh, this is for girls." Yeah. Yeah, so, it's very, I mean, it's very much. So the thing about it that I sort of had to adjust to a little bit was it's not made for me it's not made for me no um but despite that i really enjoyed it yeah i think if i was 12 years old uh it would be great this thing i've had issues with a lot of a lot of series recently like you know i've just had to say this isn't for me you know stuff like Yeah. yeah voltron and troll hunters and Oh, tr- yeah, Troll Hunters. That that was a massive disappointment for me, definitely. Wait, where you just go? This feels just like a kid show to me. Yeah, um, it promised to be something different because it was like, oh, Guillermo del Toro is involved, and then it opened like, yeah, like any other bloody kid show, and it was just like, what's what's you here? Yeah, but the best ones, you don't you don't feel like that. You're like. Okay, I know this isn't made for me, but I'm yeah, still enjoying yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Which is what I kind of felt with She-Ra so far. 
it's it, funny. It's really, really well written. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the characters are great, and she doesn't have the problem that lots of protagonists have, where they're bland. She's mm-hmm. kind of flawed, and genuinely conflicted. And you kind of feel like, I felt like by the time the third episode began, I knew her enough that. I was finding uh, like delight in just seeing her react to things. So I was like, oh yeah, that's how you would react to that. Oh, and that's that, how your friends would see you. And that, that, that like demon teacher, her character design in the original is so ridiculous. She's like, really looks like kind of, you know, just like a um, kind of like one of the dark riders from Lord of the Rings, just with boobs. <laughs> okay and it just looks so stupid yeah um just really the idea that anyone could look at the original and then look at this and go, no, the original is so much better and it's just you know, it's i know nostalgia and everything and i, I, I get okay so i think if you're if you're gonna just sorry just really quickly if you're gonna operate on the on the thinking that essentially on mass for instance mm-hmm. people are not to blame for the way they react mm-hmm. lately so much has been put so much emphasis has been put on nostalgia and the value inherent in nostalgia um i think that is the reason for people saying oh how can this possibly be as good as that thing that I saw when I was a kid, and you know when 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 my future was bright and you know, anything was possible, you know I think um, I think that explains that feeling, and uh, yeah, it's a I mean that's a whole bloody long conversation to have elsewhere, but um, I think that probably explains how people can get fiercely defensive about something shit as a filmation, you know, TV show uh, yeah. from the 80s that was made purely as the marketing, uh, you know, uh, thing. I, I can watch those old things and feel a bit of nostalgia, even if I didn't watch them at the time, just the whole 80s vibe or whatever, like all the synth and everything and the corniness and everything. Yeah, but it's I, I get, it's not. I, yeah, no. I, I feel, you know, I get a bit of a nostalgia sense wave over me or whatever, but I don't go, this is a genuinely quality production. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, do you know what? I, I think the best... Um, I think this is true for lots of people my age. The one that I this is the crux for me is Hook, the Spielberg movie, because mm-hmm. I can look at it and objectively go, "This is by far not the best film that he's made," but it's weirdly well made and it's weirdly compelling, and it's not bad. It's just not a towering achievement. Uh. Yeah, so you know, I will defend Hook. <laughs> Don't know how this has turned into this, but I can also objectively say, yeah, it's you know, if someone remade it better, then I wouldn't be outraged. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be stepping on the legacy of Hook. You know? 
Didn't but they did, didn't they remake Hook as Christopher Robin? <laughs> um no, they didn't see uh I don't want to get into this, but <laughs> Christopher Robin is not as good as Hook. Oh. Hook at least understands that if you're making a story about a generational handover, you have to focus on the kids a little bit more. And Christopher Robin sort of doesn't really spend enough time with his child. Yeah. I don't think. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're talking about She-Ra. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard for us to say too much because we've only seen three episodes, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I might genuinely carry on watching it. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to watch some more. It's it's fun. I like it. And I, yeah. I, I think it's probably like the one I've enjoyed most of the DreamWorks Netflix shows because... I you know I I could I could understand why people like Voltron, but I and it's fine. I just I haven't felt compelled to really watch anymore, uh, and I'm not a big fan of Troll Hunters or the Dragons Race the Edge series either. So I've, see, this thing, I've seen good work from those shows. I've seen some mm-hmm. really nice sequences and stuff. I just can't get into the characters, and it's kind of the opposite with this for me, where. I feel like the production is a little bit rote. Mm-hmm. Like it was, you know, uh, outsourced to Korea and it's all, you know, made in the traditional Korean way of like hand drawing things still and, you know, in a way that lots of other shows are made. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it lacks in the innovation in the production, it definitely makes up for uh, in the writing. And uh, yeah, that will probably carry it. I also feel like it's a good example of like how to remake a, an old thing, what to keep and what to change, how to update it. I think it's quite a good example of that. Yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's a very canny idea of, yeah, like let's take this thing, which isn't actually fondly remembered. <laughs> Sorry, dude bros, it's not. Um and you hadn't thought about until someone suddenly decided they were going to remake, and then you're like, "This is this I, is the hill on which I will die." <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and to just repurpose literally everything, like, and you know, it, it, it's 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 I think it's going to be the curse of our times with a lot of things, um, which is just going to be okay. We can't make anything without an existing IP like name Mm -hmm. but we can keep the name and pretty much just throw everything else in the bin (laughs) you know Uh, but yeah I don't know having not seen the original I don't know how much they've preserved but I like it I like the show and I want to see more and I hope it does well really I concur I get the impression it's probably done well from the reception I've seen although I don't know how well it's been received by you know the actual target audience (laughs) Mm, yeah, that'll be interesting. I feel like at least it serves the target audience very well. It's not um, condescending. Actually. I, I I feel like like both with this and with stuff like um, Voltron, mm-hmm. they are clearly sort of targeting dual audiences. They are going for the you know the the kid audience, but also the 
you know, the fandom as well. No. And I yeah. think they, they've been quite canny with how they've done it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they know what they're doing, but I don't need to worry about that stuff because it's actually just quite enjoyable on its yep. own terms, really. And that's cool. all that matters. Cool. So thumbs up on Shira. Yep. Anything else you've been watching? Um, what else have I been watching? I can't, I literally can't think what else I've watched. Dragon Pilot, you watched? I watched Dragon Pilot. Yes, I did. Hisone and Masotan, Dragon Pilot. Uh, it is, is this the Mario Kada series? Yes. Okay, so I don't know much about like her involvement in it. I think she wrote it. That's what she normally does. I think that's her main main job. Um, it's just like a standard sort of mecha show, but instead of mechas, it's dragons. Um, in this world, the military uh, have taken upon themselves to sort of look after dragons uh, throughout the ages. They, they, dragons were sort of hidden by sorts of things like uh, kites and things at festivals. Um, but nowadays, the military use their impressive flying powers uh, and, dis- <laughs> and disguise them as jet fighters. Um, and uh, that's that. There are some planes in the military that are planes, and there are some planes which are actually dragons. <laughs> And the dragons are like delightful sort of crosses between Toothless and Lugia. Mm-hmm. They're very, very cute character designs. Um, I think it's, it's probably skewed slightly younger than She-Ra. It's definitely a lot light, more lighthearted. It's a very funny show. Um, yeah, and we follow, uh, so basically the protagonist is uh, Hisone and she is, um, she's a new recruit to the Flying Academy and one day uh, f- a dragon just decides to eat her as she's sort of walking. The end. Her. The end. Um, but apparently that's like, oh no, he likes you. Like you've been chosen as a dragon pilot. Very few people are lucky enough to be you know, literally uh, taken under the wing by a dragon. And she's thrust. She's a classic uh, reluctant protagonist uh, thrust into uh, her new life as a, as a dragon pilot. And the first episode is very much a, a typical, which is, all, which is all I've seen, very much a typical sort of like pilot episode. Uh, if yeah, you're yeah, yeah. Pun, yeah. Um, where um, we're introduced to this world and she realizes that she's actually quite fond of the dragon and the dragon can be her friend and I think that's it really, that's all there really is to say it's entertaining and um, I think the animation is by Studio Bones oh yes, I think I have heard that, right, yes and uh, I liked it it's very fun. It, it was really. Um, I watched it immediately after Shira, hmm. and it was like a nice sort of like palate cleanser. Um, the design is gorgeous. I really like how it looks. Uh, it's got like a very nice. Um, uh, 
cartoony appeal, like I said, to the dragons. They're sort of like they're like Pokemon kind of in their uh, roundness and everything. There's not, not many details on them. And the main character herself is very comic. And uh, uh, she has a really interesting uh, personality in that she is uh, polite to a fault up to a certain extent. (laughs) And then she suddenly snaps and she tells everyone what she's been thinking of them. And it's a very interesting personality trait because usually protagonist is just the first bit. Yeah. And it's something that really irritates me in films when someone gets into a situation just because they're sort of going, uh, but, but, but I wanted to say this. And they just sort of let themselves be pushed into all sorts of situations. And at a certain point in the episode, she just sort of turns around and she's like, I never wanted any of this. What the hell are you doing? I, I told you three times I'm not interested. And um, I, really, <laughs> I was really amused by that. Um, yeah, did you watch Dragon Pilot? I didn't get time to. No. Okay. I want to. I I already wanted to see it. I just found the concept cute, and also Rachel has really recommended it. So I was. Okay. And I think she probably watched all of it because she really got into it. Um, I think it's going to be something like a like a comfort blanket that I'm in the evenings or something. It's very easy watching, but very pretty. I did. I watched the first episode of season two of Castlevania. Um, I was not really a fan of the first series, to be honest. Um, oh, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Which was, I, 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 yeah, yeah, I was, which I'm, I've, I think it's a real shame because I really like the idea of like adult animation, Western made that isn't comedy. <laughs> And it's like a serious horror show or whatever, but I just, mm-hmm. I just couldn't get on with it. But I thought I'd give, I'd at least try season two, and that I am still in the same place. I just, I, I think the personally, I think the writing's quite bad. The dialogue is quite not great. I remember that being an issue with the first series. Mm. I think the way that I looked at it was very much like without really uh i'm not saying necessarily that the only way to make adult animation is the way that it's done in lots of anime Mm -hmm. my point more is that uh you would be a bit of a fool to completely ignore how it's done yeah and to assume that there is a certain way of writing animation that um that works and you don't write animation any other way. I remember feeling that like there were way too many jokes mm-hmm. that killed the mood dead. Um, and th- I think the biggest problem for me overall with the series was that thematically it couldn't quite get to grips with the fact that it was very violent mm-hmm. and the violence rather than being a comment like there's a way to do hyper violence and it be entertaining, like a Paul Verhoeven film, you know, like Robocop. Like the violence in that is amazing. Devil Man Crybaby. Yeah, and uh, yeah, actually, yeah, of course, Devil Man Crybaby, where it's 
thematically there for a reason. Castlevania, um, I remember we discussed we discussed it at length, but yeah, the trouble was that it was uh, juvenile mm-hmm. in its fascination with violence, and it didn't really have much to say with it. Uh, yeah, what was the first episode of the second season like? Yeah, <laughs> just it was there wasn't there was lots of people standing around having conversations and sort of plotting and mm-hmm. there was some gory imagery and that was about it. Very little happened and did did the writing was bad and some acting was iffy. Yeah, I remember the acting actually was the issue. I think the acting I said, and this is, um, I said something derogatory, and I didn't mean for it to, to, but I think you'll know what I mean when I say it reminded me of a lot of bad video game acting. Mm -hmm. I think it was also people who aren't used to voice acting. They were like actors, on-screen actors, who weren't normally who didn't have a lot of experience doing voice acting and Um, perhaps it was also to do with the voice directing voice directing is a very very overlooked skill Mm -hmm. um, in uh, when it comes to uh critiquing animation i think it's a i i have immense respect for good voice directors because you're essentially working with the script and actors and nothing else and you have to imagine because a lot of animation is recorded before anything is drawn. Yep. And uh, you have to imagine a hell of a lot and you have to really, really thematically understand what is going on with the story and with each given story, the characters and the tone of the show. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really important skill. Yeah, so I'm not going to watch anymore. <laughs> I don't think. Gotcha. Uh, I, I'm going to watch them more because by the end of the first season, which I think was like four episodes, yeah, I didn't mind it. It was better than I uh, was. You know, it was much better than I thought it was going to be. Basically. Yeah, I know. I was in the minority when we talked about it. With my opinion. I wasn't head over heels, but I no. was definitely of the opinion like taking it on its own terms, it's better than you perhaps <laughs> thought it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's been recommissioned for another series, so lots of people like it, I guess. So what do I know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I can't think of anything else that I've been watching to discuss, so nor can I, I'm afraid. Uh, We've covered quite a lot. We had a lot of lot of news chat with all that giant pile of Netflix news. Yeah, let's let's not talk about Netflix next episode. No, let's have a uh, sponsored by them. Let's nix the Netflix. <laughs> no, they're probably going to announce four more things tomorrow mm-hmm. that we're going to have to talk about because they're going to be like. <laughs> the most eagerly awaited thing or something. I don't know. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dan, for joining me. It was a great chat as always. We'll be back soon with some lots of more animation topics and chat. 
If you want to keep with keep up with everything we're doing, you can follow us on animationforadults.com. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter at AFA Blog, on Pinterest, on Instagram, on Tumblr, on YouTube, and uh, I always want to say Google Plus Plus going away now. So I need I to. Mean, it's I think like I said that went away and it's like second week. <laughs> no one noticed. No. Um, yeah, we are, we are still on there. If, if you want to, you know, get in while uh, sure. while if you, the um, if you want to discuss something that no one is going to see. No, yeah. <laughs> um, you can follow. You can also, um, if you'd like to help us make more stuff in future, you can also support us on Patreon or buy us a virtual coffee on Ko-fi. Uh, you can follow me personally on uh, twitter at mr crystal where can we find you dan you can find me on twitter at hamu okay so we'll be back next time with some more animation chat speak to you later then speak to you then (laughs) goodbye goodbye This comic strip is lame and derivative. I'll be the judge of that. Oh, we... Stan Lee! Creator of Marvel Comics? Greetings, true believers. <laughs> oh! Oh, my heart is pounding like Thor's hammer on Dr. Doom's titanium-infused faceplate. Hey, aren't you the guy who was stalking Linda Carter? The term is courting. The restraining order says no, no. But her eyes say yes, yes. Let's see what you've got, son. (gasps) My spidey sense is tingling. It's that good? Whoa, did I say spidey? I meant stinky. Nuff said. What did I do wrong? I don't know. Try everything. Now hold on, comic book guy. This boy's still finding his voice. So you're saying I should keep trying? Absolutely. And if you fail, you can always open a comic book store. Stan Lee insulted me. But in Bizarro World, that means he likes me. My week-long dream has come true. Hold it, son. Wouldn't you rather have an exciting action figure? Ah, but only Batman fits in my Batmobile. Are you nuts? The thing fits in there perfectly. Look, he's fitting right now. Stan Lee came back. Stan Lee never left. And I'm starting to think that his mind is no longer in mint condition. Ah! Ha ha! You broke my Batmobile! Broke? Or made it better? <laughs> Look! It's the Incredible Hulk! <laughs> he can't be the Hulk! I'm the Hulk. Oh, please. You couldn't even change into Bill Bixby. Come on, damn it. Change. Ah, forget it. I really did it once. Yes, yes. I just wish you had the power to leave my store. Almost had it there.